and everybody gets it back again. Don't take no mess at the Rose Garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the author and host of the Rose Garden Report uh, newsletter and podcast. You can subscribe on rosegardenreport.beehive.com for a free or paid subscription. For paid subscribers, I had a big interview with uh, Nasir Little earlier this week. We got into a lot of stuff about his rehab of the shoulder injury, his goals for the season, some other stuff. It's a good interview, and I recommend you check it out. And I'm going to put more of it out next week because we got into a lot more stuff. And I think as we get into training camp and we have more regular access to these guys, I think there's going to be a lot more exclusive content like that to make the paid subscription worth it. So uh, get on board right now. But anyway, the podcast is back to Eric Garcia Gunderson, multiple-time repeat guest on the pod, friend of the pod, if you will is back for the first time in about a month or so. The Blazers have a regular season schedule to discuss for uh, next season. Eric, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, the content gods are blessing the NBA content warlocks with some fresh, fresh content right now, which is the schedule. Uh, we have to like. start here. Uh, have you enjoyed how the schedule has become like this multi-day thing? No, 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 no. In short, no. I, I, I think, I, I think it's whack. I think it's lame as hell. Like opening night is Warriors versus Lakers, and it's like for one person to get a bunch of retweets, and they're not even writing a story about it, and it's just like, I don't know, man. I think it's pretty lame. And we, I get, I get it because like we actually have a real off season now, and this is like the first like you know, content that you can really jump into and like think about. But one of my annual sayings is that NBA strength of schedule is fake. And I'm down to talk about these games and how it shakes out for the Blazers. But I also don't, a lot of times the assumptions that we make right now in the off season are totally moot points by the time the season even starts. And especially when the season gets going. Yeah, absolutely. I just I do enjoy that clearly all these national reporters have the full schedule and they're just putting out individual games from it just, you know, for for the cloud or for the retweets or whatever. And just like my favorite one was I I forget who it was, but one of the national guys was putting out when the Hawks were going to play the Magic because of this DeJounte Murray uh uh, Paolo Bancaro pro-am stuff. And it's like, okay, I, we, we really don't need to leak when the Atlanta Hawks are playing the Orlando Magic. Like, uh, yeah, that, a division a division game that will happen four times next season. But Between we, we a got, team that didn't, that, you know, barely made the playoffs last year and a team that was bad enough to have the number one pick. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah, see, that's, a, and, and it's like, we're, I get it because, like, everyone is starved for content. Though Everyone who has, you know, runs an NBA website or something like you got to keep the content fresh for that, that, that fresh churn. It's, it's just part of the deal. And it's just like, 
but that to me is all this content kind of is a service of. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it, like I said, because I'm excited to talk about the matchups and what the Blazers schedule looks like. The other part of the schedule news cycle that I like is one of the first things that gets either reported or announced every year is the Christmas games. And right. the fans of every team that didn't get a Christmas game. Oh my God. Get my so disrespected and so offended. And it's such a slight to their team that they weren't one of the teams that got scheduled for Christmas. Please tell me you saw the Trey Young tweet. Oh, I saw that. About how like the disrespect of not putting the Hawks on Christmas. And it's like you guys got on Christmas last year only because of the fact you played the Knicks in the playoffs and the fans in New York are obsessed with you. You didn't – you lost in the playoffs this year. You were at eighth seed and you don't – no one wants to watch you on Christmas. Like no one is like, yo, let's watch – Trey and John, which like I saw people calling them like the like I forget what they were they were calling them TMC. I saw some Twitter account calling them TMC, and I'm like, oh, that's no, that's not this. This this cannot happen. This is no. This is this is un. This is not allowed. Like just like how there 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 were some portions of the Blazer fan base early on in Anthony Simons' career that were trying to make Penny happen for him as a nickname, and it's just like no, 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 Trey, and also it's 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 just like Trey Murray and Colin, like like no, and and like like at least with TMC, the original run TMC, it was all their first names. It was Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen. Like now we're like we're like finagling things and it like no and it's just like honestly the hawks are trying too hard this is totally not an nba general podcast i just think the hawks are trying too hard and that tweet about being thirsty to play on christmas is like the like that's that's right there in like the thesis of like the the hawks are trying too hard did you see the heat's tweet no i did not see the heat's tweet i am gonna read it to you okay it says I guess we were this close to having a Christmas game. Shrug emoji. And it has the screenshot of Max Cruz's <laughs> foot being like barely on the line that called it uh, um, went, went against them in, in game seven of the of the Celtics series in the playoffs. Oh my God. Get <laughs> out like, of here. First of all, the Heat are like one of the historical, you know, heritage franchise. They should be above that type of stuff, first of all. Yeah, That's they're just, above. They are, they are officially above. Like, you guys play in june you know what i mean like 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 the heat are a team that like you can usually pencil them in for the second round at least every single year and 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 they're like super mad about not playing a regular season game on christmas the blazers just fyi are not playing on christmas and (laughs) the blazers Blazers have not been so disrespected by the schedule makers no they really have not they uh they only have three national games this year, as far as Which I'm not we don't counting. Count M- yeah, we don't count NBA. NBA TV. TV doesn't count as a national game because they use a local broadcast. They have two ESPN games. One of them is against uh, New Orleans. One of them is against uh, – hold on, I don't have it up front. The Clippers, and then I think Memphis is the other one. But two ESPN, one TNT. Clearly they would have more national games if Dame hadn't just missed most of the season and they hadn't just had the sixth worst record in the league. So. And if their first round lottery pick didn't no show 
the summer league. Right. That also it was did, like that, it, that, it, that also didn't help. Right, because they're putting like Chet versus Paolo or Jabari versus Paolo or Jabari versus like the top, you know, the top rookies are getting some of those national TV games because they're hyping that up. If Shaden Sharp had more of a buzz around him and an expectation that he's actually going to play that much in his rookie year, I think there would probably be more of that. I do think that if Dame stays healthy and is as good as he says he's going to be coming off of this ab surgery, they'll probably get flexed into some of these uh, national TV games. But, you know, mm-hmm. as somebody, I, fu- I, I fully understand that, uh, you know, a lot of fans don't have league pass and don't have cable. And so this, you know, discussion of like who's on national TV, like matters to them more because if you're not in market, you want to be able to watch your team more. Like, so I, so I get all that stuff, but a lot of this stuff is just very much like fans of a team looking for like a reason to feel like the national media disrespected. I, I did see yesterday ESPN in their schedule release show, they had this graphic of like the top stars in the league. And it had like 15 guys on it and Dame wasn't on it. And I saw like some corners of Blazers Twitter getting mad about that. And it's like, what are you doing getting mad about a TV graphic? I have to say, I was thinking this when I saw the number of three national television games. And I thought to myself, this is like, this is, if you're, if you want the Blazers to win, like this is, this is part of the narrative, like buildup that makes it more, I, it just, it's just so much more Blazers. People forgot and, about Dame, that kind of thing. And, yes, and people forgot about Dame. Like, I think it's like very much like the more wood on the fire. Like, like, like it, it's giving after Lamarcus left energy. Like, like, like CJ's gone. CJ has this great playoff run. Everyone's like, oh my god, should they have actually traded CJ? Or, you know, or did they, did they mess up? Blah, blah, blah. And like, like, I feel like there is like that, not locally, but I do think there's a lot of people that are like, "Mm, who knows? Like, you know, and, and I think that like all of this plays into the Blazers favor in the sense of like Dame and what he does and what his MO is. And also I think what he can do as a leader to kind of galvanize this group behind that sentiment. And I just think that to me, if you're the Blazers, being disrespected by national TV is like exactly what you want for this group right now because they haven't earned anything, but they also, I think, really thrive, and especially Dame thrives under that motivation, and I just think that that is is perfect for, for this year, for this season. Yeah, I think there's something to that. So let's talk about this actual schedule. You and I both have it in front of us. They open in Sacramento on Wednesday the 19th. and a, then a, an, a season opening classic. I mean, Blazers sack is like the opener every year, I feel like. except for the It's also the that... Rasan Gathers Bowl this year. The Blazers' new That's PR right. director was with Sacramento for a long time. And this is his first season here. So he kind of gets a homecoming. I wonder if they're going to give him a tribute video. Wow. That's a, that's a good question. They might. I mean, now that Anjali World is in charge, I feel like anything's possible. Most so, so like they start off in sack, then they've got a home game. This is actually like identical to their first two because they you know they they opened last year at home against sack, and then their second game was against Phoenix last year. So they're playing Phoenix at home, which was one of their probably their best performance of the season. Yeah, that I was, felt like they they absolutely destroyed the Suns, who won sixty seven games or whatever the hell Suns won. They won sixty plus, and and they just absolutely that was like I remember that I, that was the first game I went to. 
and it was just like, oh man, like this is. And the then, actually might be good. And then very quickly, he's like, no, no, actually, they suck. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> but so the thing that jumped out to me looking at this schedule just on first glance, they have three over the course of the year. They have three six-game road trips, and two of them are before Christmas. So they're going to get a lot of. I think they're. I think twenty out of their forty-one. Uh, road games come before the end of the calendar year of 2022. They've also got a six in seven on the road as well within that stretch that I'm looking at right now. They've got two six game road trips and then a six in seven, six out of seven games, six out out of seven on the road where their only home game is Tuesday, the 29th of November against the Clippers. And then they're back on the road. I believe that's one of their national TV games. Yeah. So, but that stretch, that Clippers game is the only home game in a stretch of seven and it goes Milwaukee, Cleveland, New York, New, and then Brooklyn. So they're doing a uh, they're doing the Brooklyn matinee. Then they come back home for like a day, play a game, and then go head back out to LA and then play the Jazz before coming home for about ten days. But like, so they basically have three six game road trips before Christmas. Yeah. To add to your point, and that first of their actual six game road trips. You've got two games in a row against Phoenix and then Miami and then Charlotte, which that, you know, the Hornets aren't that good, but then you've got new Orleans and Dallas. So five of those six games are against teams that are as good or better than Portland on paper, or at least are expected to be right. That were definitely better than them last year. We can say that. Yes. For sure. Yes. And then, uh, that, that second one before the new year is like, you know, you do have a few, you know, bad teams in there. You've got like San Antonio, Houston, and then two against Oklahoma City. But then you've also got Denver and Dallas in there. So the way I looked at this, you know, I think if you can get to Christmas, which is the first 34 games of the year, 20 of those games are on the road. If you can be at 500 by Christmas, you're fine. If you can just if you can just tread water, like it's gonna it's gonna be like a very early in the season. They have a pretty tough schedule. I think only six of their games in that time. They've got a couple against Oklahoma City. They've got a couple against San Antonio. They've got a couple against Utah and then Houston. So, like seven or eight of those first thirty some games are against tanking teams. So they have a pretty tough schedule opponent wise early on. So if they could just get to Christmas at or around five hundred then I think they're probably going to be in okay shape the rest of the year. Yeah, and then there's also like some sliding doors situations. I'm looking at that first half of the schedule right now. Like, okay, Durant is on the nets right now, and he you know might be until camp. But It sure sounds like, like they're going to run it back. I mean, I think that's what – it makes the most sense given what like the situation that the nets are in. Like I would do everything in my power to run it back because – you're not getting anything good out of trading Kevin Durant. But also is Durant like they're, they're, his people are starting to put out this messaging of, Oh, you know, if he's not traded, don't rule out him sitting out and holding out of training camp until he's traded. So Durant might be on the roster, but are he and Kyrie actually going to play? I like, I think they are. I think that's posturing, but like right now that's out there. Yeah, no. And that, that's what I'm, that's, you know, part of what I'm saying too is like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to make of like seeing the Nets on the schedule twice, and and also too, this goes for every team. Like, shit happens. People get hurt. 
people play don't play up to expectations. And before we get to the second half of the schedule, you know, I think one of the big sticking points that I've heard about what the Blazers' outlook is and whether they can make the playoffs or not is it's very similar, again, not not just to the LaMarcus era, but honestly, the entirety of Lillard's career, the West has always been a monster. And so I definitely think it's going to be hard, but I, I'm just not ready to say that like a team with Dame for a full season – isn't going to make, you know, isn't going to have a top six seed even like, like I think they're very much in the mix for that. And I think if they get to 500 around the new year, that becomes a lot more doable uh, because I do think the back half of their schedule is very advantageous. And also like, I think this is also back to Dame's history, usually around like mid February and March, Dame usually rounds into like killer form. And like, I I just think that that plus a little bit of an easier schedule will bode well for Portland's playoff chances. A lot of home games in February and March. And a lot of those games, like there's a couple against like this, like this, this homestand at the beginning of uh, February, they start off against the Bucks and the Warriors, but then they've got, uh, Oklahoma City, who's tanking, the Lakers, who, you know, who knows what the Lakers are even going to be, and then the Wizards, who are not going to be very good. And then they've got Houston, they've got a game at SAC, and then they've got Houston at home. Like, that's that's a pretty nice stretch there. And then their last of the three six-game road trips, it ends kind of tough against Boston, Philly, and New Orleans, but then the first three games are Atlanta, Orlando, Detroit. So, theoretically, yeah, you you know, if you could go 500 on that trip, And I'm even looking at their last extended homestand of the season, like the Bulls who are, you know. They're fine. They're about where the Blazers are in the East right now. Yeah, they're okay. But then you got Oklahoma City, New Orleans, who will be tough, and then Sacramento back-to-back at home. Uh, And and I just think that, you know, Sacramento, there's reason to believe that their offense could be good. I also think that there's reason to believe that their offensive metrics – towards the end of the season when they actually had Sabonis and Fox in the lineup are a little bit inflated because that part of the season is usually when teams are tanking like the Blazers were or like Oklahoma City was. And and I just I don't I don't want to buy into that too much. Uh especially because like they're the Kings. Even though they do have the summer league uh darling Keegan Murray, which again even that sentence, the summer league darling that they have on their team as like reason for optimism. I'm just, you know, I'm a little skeptical about Sacramento putting it together since they haven't done it for about, Oh, I don't know, 16 years. I do like the Kings roster on paper. And I do think that Mike Brown is a much better coach than Luke Walton. So I think there's reason to believe that they're going to be better than they were last year. But I'm totally with you on the Kings. Like they, you know, I, they're, they're going to go into the season trying to make the playoffs and I think they'll be decent, but I think they're like hanging around 10 or 11 is sort of their, you know, th- that's kind of where I have them. Yeah. I, I think if you're looking for Portland to move up in the standings on some teams, I think Memphis is where I would start. I think that there's a very good chance that they won't be as good next season as they were the last year, just because, you know, they really turned things up to another level. And I think maybe teams weren't ready for that. And I, I also think losing DeAnthony Melton 
will hurt and Jaron Jackson being out for a while also will hurt, even though they did succeed for a lot of last year without John Morant. I also think that maybe Minnesota might be a little overvalued at the, at the, at the present moment. Like they had a good run to the postseason and they got Rudy Gobert, but I I'm interested to see what happens when Anthony Edwards star becomes so undeniable that everyone talking about the Timberwolves is talking about him. Like how, how is that going to affect the team dynamic with cat with Gobert who, you know, Gobert had his issues with Mitchell for probably other reasons than or whatever Ant is dealing or Ant might have. But like, I just feel like those two teams also Dallas losing Brunson for nothing. Like I, Luca, I'm the biggest Luca guy there is, but I feel like they also are a team that could fall out of uh, that top six. So Memphis and Dallas, I think, are interesting ones. And then obviously Utah, I think you just have to completely throw out because it's pretty obvious that they're tanking. And I actually believe that Donovan Mitchell is going to be traded probably to New York before the start of camp. Yeah, and I think conversely, you got to put the Clippers in. Yes. So that one you swap out. Denver, uh, they're still going to be right in there, you know, assume, assuming Murray and uh, Porter are healthy. And even if they're not, like, I think they're still a playoff team because Jokic is that good. And I like the Bruce Brown signing. Like, Denver's going to be in there. The Lakers, I have no idea what to make of. I think you're a little bit higher on them than I am, but... I am I, only because, and I've said this on other places, I'm remiss to totally dismiss the Lakers because they have, when they're healthy, two of the best... 20 players in the league. Well, I'll give, you know, and, and when Anthony Davis is right, he is like when they won the championship, Anthony Davis was maybe the best player, second best player in the league that year towards like in the playoffs. And I just think that like that ceiling is there for them, even though I don't really like the rest of their team. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like there's not really any traction on doing anything with Russ and, you know, it's, it, it, there had been talk at one point of, you know, that him for Kyrie, it sounds like Brooklyn is kind of backed off of that. We'll see if that gets revisited before camp, but it sounds like barring something else, they might just run it back with Russ and that did not work out very well last year. So, I mean, yeah, LeBron's LeBron's already coming to terms with it. He like commented on one of Westbrook's Instagram posts recently. It was like, like with some, like, like about like, they, they hate, like kind of the similar stuff that he was doing during the NBA finals when he was like trying to be like team Steph. And oh, it was yeah. like, Oh, they're hating and they don't, they don't recognize and all this stuff. And I was like, I he was said like, that after he and Russ were both sitting at summer league and like, didn't acknowledge each other. at all. City, city, yeah. Yeah. Where, where they had a, they had a phone call when they were all in Vegas, but they, they couldn't meet up. <laughs> just schedules, schedules just didn't work, you know? You know what's kind of – I have to say this. As somebody who covers the Blazers and then for you as somebody who considers yourself more of a fan of the Blazers, isn't it kind of nice not having to think about this shit at all when it comes to the team that we spend the most time thinking about? Oh, totally. Like, I, 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 we aren't I, worried yeah. about, like, oh, has Dame talked to this guy yet? Or has – and, like, the closest that we've gotten to that was, uh, you know, Dame having those comments about Shaden Sharp at – summer league but that's clearly just like he hasn't seen the guy play yet and he you know wants to see him play that wasn't him like taking shots at the guy or anything we've talked about that extensively 
before. So I don't want to get too much into that. But like, that's the closest that we have to any of this, like, oh, you know, LeBron's people leaking that, you know, he wants this trade to be done or he wants Kyrie or then Russ, you know, he and he and Russ didn't talk to each other at summer league. And then sources say the three of them got on a phone call together and like all of this kind of stuff. One thing I will say about the Blazers, at least when it comes to the on-court stuff or the players on the roster, obviously in the last year, the organization has been through a lot with, you know, the Neil stuff and the Chauncey stuff and the sale rumors and whatever else. But as far as like the on-court in the locker room stuff, there's really not much of that as far as drama, as far as like anonymous reports that some guys don't like some other guys or that there's divisions or any of that. The Blazers largely have been able to avoid all that kind of stuff, at least during you know this time that Dane's been here. All credit goes to him for trying to like maintain a camaraderie and uh, a equalness and, and togetherness of the team. Like, I mean, I, I mean, even back in the day where he would be like, you know, they, they have those stories about that, you know, after LaMarcus left and they had that dude, Luis Montero, who like yeah. was out of the league, like two seconds later, but like, you know, Dame would talk to him and had like a nickname for him. And it was just like, he, he did that for everybody. I mean, like you could see, like, I mean, even when he stood up for Caleb Swanigan, rest in peace, you know, like he did that multiple times like 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 to be like yo like if you don't actually care about this dude like don't post about him and i just think that the lack of drama also comes from a just a genuine place of dame like wanting to be on like a real team and not uh it's it's not necessarily about like so many other agendas and and I think that that's a credit to him. And I, and I think it is really great that the Blazers don't have to deal with that and, and never have with the players. I mean, even with the CJ trade, it was. Dame and ad- CJ have never had an issue with each other personally. It was, right. they're still very close. It's just, it's just from an on-court standpoint, it was just very obvious that it was time to move on and try something else. And one person just refused to even consider it while they were with the organization. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree that like it's 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 great and it's great to have uh someone like Lillard who is is, is in your camp and kind of keeps things drama free and it's mostly about it's about the basketball and it's about business mostly like it does it doesn't really get beyond that and I think uh that that that's definitely commendable and I think also something that maybe you know Blazers teams before I know we like get we're kind of in this. Like, I feel like the Blazers were really dramatic before Dame. And I feel like the the bas- the basketball team is way less dramatic. Yeah, the Jamal Crawford year was just like, oh my God. Where they all just like quit on Nate halfway through the season. And then they tried to trade everybody. And like Raymond Felton was telling fans like, hey, I, this is where I live. Come meet me if you want to say something to me. Meet me at the Indigo. Yes. I keep oh it 100. God. I keep it 100. Meet me at the Indigo. That like like that that was the year that was the year before Dane. Yes. You know who was here during that whole time? Joe Cronin. Joe Cronin has seen some shit. He has. He's been he's seen more than probably anybody in the organization because he started out under Kevin Pritchard, so he was there during the Roy Aldridge Odin stuff and then that whole era and then Kevin Pritchard getting fired you know, the, 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 an hour the before night the, of draft, the draft and then still being made to do the draft. And then the Rich Cho thing that blew up for whatever reason it blew up. And then like the whole, you know, 
year where they just didn't have a GM for the, during the lockout season. And then, you know, 10 years of, of, of Olshay and then, and then just all, just all of this stuff. And then everything that's gone down in the last year or so it's, it's, it's been a lot and it, but it seems like at least from an on-court standpoint, there's very little of that guys that I've talked to seem like that they think the team is going to fit together well. And guys are excited to play with other guys and, you know, a lot. Of, I've heard that a lot of the guys on the team, including Dame, have just been around this summer and are working out at the practice facility. And uh, it just seems like the vibes are good. By the way, Shaden Sharp, uh, they the Blazers posted a video a couple days ago of him shooting, which means clearly like the shoulder injury that he suffered during summer league. When they said that it was going to heal without surgery, clearly he's been cleared to shoot. So that's. Uh, a positive sign. I had a pretty lengthy conversation the other week with Nasir Little, which you can read some of if you're a Rose Garden Report premium subscriber, and most of the rest of it is going to go out next week also for premium subscribers. So get on that. But he's in a really good headspace about the season. He said physically he feels great and he's recovering as as on schedule from the torn labrum and from the ab surgery, which by the way, Nasir Little had the same ab injury uh during the off season that Dame had kind of under the radar, but he had the same exact thing. And he told me, I asked him about it and he said that he had, he only dealt with it for seven months and it was killing him. And so he just has no idea how Dame was able to play with it through for three years, which is just another sign that Dame is going to come back. Like Dame is different. With the steam face emoji, yes, did you hear, exactly. Did, did, did you hear? Did you hear the the, the nasal exhale? That's what I was trying to. Go yes, with. I did. I, okay. I you did you did the steam face emoji in audio form. People forget that Damian Lillard was a bucket and a problem <laughs> and different. <laughs> so a couple more things. We you know we talked about the Lakers a little bit. We talked about LeBron. That means we got to talk about these rumors that uh, Bronny might be committing to Oregon which LeBron refuted in a tweet, but there have been various reports and various, you know, betting odds, which is kind of more your wheelhouse than mine, that Oregon is the favorite. It just so it just so happens that I have some new lines pulled up that I got five hours ago uh, from our, our pal Jimmy Shapiro at Bet Online. And, and what does he say? Which college will Bronny James commit to? The favorite right now, Actually, no. I, it is it is UCLA. They are not the favorite. It's one to one UCLA, okay. and then Oregon is a five to four favorite. So you mean so that's you pretty put, close? You got it's very close. It's very it's like basically equal, but it's just slightly in Oregon's favor right now. And then followed by UNC North, University of North Carolina for those who are not inclined four four to one USC six to one. Then Michigan State. 15 to 2, Duke 8 to 1, um, Kentucky, Kansas, Ohio State, and Michigan rounding out the rest of the odds. What's the Michigan State connection? I don't know. Maybe Draymond's uh, lobbying. Yeah. Being that, being that he like is like trying to position himself as like LeBron's number one friend in the NBA. Maybe that's what it maybe that's what's happening. But no one I mean, is is Tom Izzo even gonna be coaching by the time that Bronny wants to go to school? Like I remember know. when in uh twenty ten, when LeBron was a free agent the first time, the Cavs offered 
Tom Izzo their job to try to, you know, incentivize LeBron to stay. And, you know, Tom Izzo ended up turning it down and deciding to stay at uh, Michigan State. But they must have some sort of relationship. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Michigan State is a Nike school. Uh-huh. So so that right there is is a connection. And I think of all these people that they have the odds on, I think Ohio, I think Kansas and UCLA are the only ones that are not Nike schools. But I think UCLA would be more of like, I mean, if you're going go to keep him in home, keep him at home. And if you're going to go to one of the L.A. schools to play basketball, like you go to UCLA, like regardless of whatever the branding situation is, it's like UCLA is just their UCLA. Like they are, you know, they are like the, the, the pinnacle of college basketball, uh, you know, over the past 100 years that it has existed. The Oregon thing makes a lot of sense, obviously, because of the Nike connections, and it would be it would be kind of a favor from LeBron to Phil Knight if that were to be how it goes. Yeah, and also like UCLA and USC might go to the Big Ten, and they also like UCLA made the Final Four, but you compare Oregon if you did like a blind test between Oregon and UCLA over the last twelve to fifteen years, like. Oregon is a better basketball program. Like they have had more NBA players. They've made as many final fours. They've made more sweet 16s. Like it's like, like they are a better, like in my opinion, they have proven like the present day Oregon basketball program to me is a better present day program than UCLA, even though UCLA, you know, all the reputation and the brand and John Wooden and all that, but that, you know, that's not what they have anymore. And I think Oregon is just as comparable and also would probably play more games in the Western United States. And if LeBron is still on the Lakers, which he just extended extension, he will be. So I think for the James family, it might make more sense for him to stay on like in the Western United States, which I think Oregon will be in some kind of Western conference. Eugene is also close to Portland, which, you know, LeBron, if LeBron has Nike business to do it, you know, it, it, you can, you know, you can, he can come up here, do whatever Nike stuff he has to do. And then also go watch his son at, you know, in Eugene, it's just like a 90 minute drive. Yeah. Or so, if, but he's also rich as shit. So he could fly to Eugene and it's yes. like maybe a half an hour more in a private jet than it would be for him to go to Stanford or Cal. Right. Like it's, it's a lot closer than all the other schools and it's a Nike school, which I think is, that's the one difference between UCLA and Oregon right now. By the way, just real quick, totally. I just got this, this update. Uh, Chris Haynes, friend of the program is set to participate in the big three celebrity game as part of the league's championship weekend. That is so powerful. Okay. This is why you subscribe to the Rose Garden report because I, Eric Garcia Gunderson, have actually played basketball, real life basketball with Crispy Haynes. And are you going to give us a scouting report? I'm telling you, Crispy Haynes can play. Do people forget that he's a bucket? People forget that Crispy Haynes has a very good three point jumper. Um, people forget that back in his day, I don't know about today, but back in his day, Crispy Haynes could dunk. Um, I've seen got, the clip. He's got a good jab. Like, like, like Chris, Chris. Chris's Chris's jumper is honestly like really really good. Like he can create his like like. So I'm just saying like I I believe in Chris Chris's bucket getting ability. He's he's good. I I, I mean I was more of a screen setter role man for Chris Haynes. 
uh, because Chris is just a better. But Chris is a bucket. I'm telling y'all. Like, like I, 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 I'm excited to watch this now. I actually will watch the big three now that I know that Chris Haynes is playing. He, his official statement on Twitter is, I ain't ducking no smoke with four exclamation points. Chris Haynes is going to let it fly. That's what I, that that's what I'll say. Like he he is not gonna be and, and he's got a and he's got a jumper. Like like, like he he it, like because he played you know for a school that played like, like they just wanted you to shoot threes and he, I mean if you want to go out there and find it, there's a Crispy Haynes like basketball mixtape out there. <laughs> that's this, this that's fantastic. This I'm I'm very excited to 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 watch that. Back to but one more thing on the LeBron thing. He just signed this extension yesterday that you alluded to. It basically adds, he was normally, he was going to be a free agent after uh, this coming season. What the extension does is it tacks one more real, you know, guaranteed year onto the, onto this deal. And then he has a player option for the following year. Mm -hmm. So what this means is that if Bronny decides to declare for the draft after his freshman season, LeBron can become a free agent that same year, which means that he can set it up so that whatever team drafts Bronny gets LeBron for a year. And cause he has been very open about his desire to play the final year of his career with his son in the league. So it seems like this is kind of being set up for that. And I just have to say, if Bronny goes to the school where Phil Knight is the primary booster around the same time that there are all these rumors about, maybe other sports team related purchases that Phil Knight may or may not be thinking about making. I'm just, you know, just, you can just put some things together here. Put it, put it out there. Put, put, look, yeah. Uh, and, and also, you know, LeBron's affinity for wine. Yes. Maybe, maybe he buys a vineyard, starts his own LeBron wines brand as part of his like post playing portfolio. He wouldn't be the first member of the banana boat crew to have his own wine. That's right. Right. That's right. The, 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 the D Wade wine. Doesn't uh, Mello have one too, or does he just, I think, I think Mello, I don't, I don't know if Mello has a vineyard as much as he is just a supporter of vineyards. Um, but, but yeah, also I have to say, I'm kind of getting a little sad for Mello, man. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. You you did see that he's got this four part documentary coming out. Yeah, I I did see that, but I, I'm also just like it feels like the clock is striking midnight right now on his career, and I just feel like I mean I hope he stays in shape for like you know whenever the you know injury wave comes and maybe he can get signed by someone for like a farewell tour, but like. It sucks, man. I feel like he's. I feel like we may have seen the last of Melo in the NBA. Yeah, it. It. I would think that if he was going to be signed, like the Knicks would have done that by now, or whoever yeah, would have. Yeah. Clearly, he's obviously not in the Lakers' plans because they needed to get younger after the way that they built the supporting cast last year. But yeah, and the Blazers. Yeah, it just. The, it the, sucks. And the Blazers said no. The, yeah, the Blazers said no to him the year before I think he would have been down to stay, but they were like, no, we're going to move on. And that's why he ended up going to the Lakers, which sucks. Cause like he, you know, he was beloved here and I felt like he was way more appreciated in Portland than he was last year for the Lakers. And I- I'm glad that we at least got him when we did. 
I'm, I'm glad that we had a Carmelo Anthony on the Blazers moment, but it, you know, I would, I, I wish there was some space for him to be here, but also it's like between that and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to worry that the team also might be uh, looking to duck the luxury tax. What makes you think that Eric? Well, uh, the fact that they might try to sell the team for one B according to rip city radio, the official radio affiliate of the team. So literally state media is yeah, literally state out. media. They are not going to travel their TV and radio personnel, which I would imagine is a cost cutting move, but is awful for the fans and let, let alone the people that are working for the team, which one of the big like enticing parts of working for an NBA team is that when you're on the broadcast crew, if you're on radio or TV or you're the play-by-play person, you get to go to the game and you get to be on the circuit and, and, and do those things. And, but not aside from that part, like it's bad for the fans. Like there is very, there's good. There's like zero added value now between like, watching your favorite team on your favorite broadcast and listening to music or listening to whatever, or a podcast or all these apps now that like, let you broad, like do a simulcast. It's great for people like you and me. Cause, cause like we could maybe do a simulcast of a blazer game on TV that people would Playback, actually listen. Like one of those apps or something. Hey, if, if any of those, if any of those companies wants to throw us money to do that, I'm happy to listen. Absolutely. Like we'll, we'll do that. But like, so it's great for people like that, like that, but it's awful for the run of the mill fan, especially to like, if you like listening to Travis Demers on the radio, or you like listening to Kevin Calabro on the TV with Lamar Hurd, those guys are just going to be like you at that point. The reason that they add value is that they're there and they see things that the camera doesn't see. And now that that's gone, like, dude, that is a major loss for fans, in my opinion. Because you and I could bullshit and we'd have a great time doing a simulcast of the game. But we're not giving you that extra added value, in my opinion, that you get from actually being there. And it's disappointing. It is. And so during the bubble in the summer of 2020, the the first eight seeding games, which were before the playoffs, were broadcast both on ESPN and TNT, and they had crews in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But they were also broadcast by the various local uh, broadcasting teams. And during that stretch of time, I did a story where the Blazers let me, and this was a kind of a big deal because this was the first in-person reporting that I had been able to do of any kind since the pandemic started. But I went over to the Moda Center one afternoon during one of the seating games. And Jeff Curtin, their director of broadcasting, took me through their entire space where they have all these different monitors and they had Lamar and Jordan Kent, who was their play-by-play guy at the time because Calabro stepped away briefly you know, calling the game off a monitor. And then, you know, as part of the story, I also did a bunch of interviews with 
local team broadcasters from around the league, including I, I talked to Lamar and I talked to Brooke for this story, but I talked to like Sarah Kustock from the Nets. I talked to Brian Simeon from the Clippers. I talked to Marcus Johnson from the Bucks. Like I, I talked to a few other people. Marcus Johnson, who I grew up listening to. Marcus Johnson on. rules. He's he's awesome. Grew but, up listening to him calling Pac-12 games, but continue. Yeah, and all of them told me that it just is so much harder to call uh, these games off of a monitor. Like Marcus was telling me that, because remember during one of those seeding games, like Giannis got into a little thing with Mo Wagner from the Wizards and uh-huh. like got suspended for a game. And Marcus was telling me that if he had been at the game, he could have seen those guys kind of going back and forth before that altercation happened. And he would have been able to kind of, his, his radar kind of would have been up for it. And then, you know, Lamar told me that if he was just with the team at the hotel, like this, like right after that exchange on Instagram between Dame and Paul George, the running from the grind thing happened, Lamar would have been able to then like just pull Dame aside at the team hotel and have like an off the record conversation about it with him and just be like, hey, so just in case this comes up on the air in the next game, like give me the, like the background on this so I can talk about it and get the story right. When you're not traveling with the team and you're not able to have that kind of institutional knowledge and kind of have those relationships, you lose that and you lose the ability to do that. And Kevin and Lamar are phenomenal and they are, you know, two of the best broadcasters in the league and they're going to do as good of a job as they can with these constraints. But I'll say this, I have asked around several other teams uh, you know people i know with other teams and people you know in the media that i know that cover other teams i'm pretty sure the blazers at least on the tv side maybe one or two other teams aren't sending radio but i'm pretty sure that the blazers are the only team in the league that are planning to not send their tv broadcast crew to road games this year and that's just a really like i understood teams not doing it during the pandemic because like of the safety stuff and the access stuff and whatever else, but the league's official stance now, given that they've lifted all mask mandates and vaccine mandates and whatever else, according to the league, the pandemic is over right now. So that's not a reason to do well, it. And according to the CDC, you don't have to quarantine anymore. Right. Like, exactly. Like, 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 like it's not just the league that said COVID's over. Like the government effectively said that COVID is over, but dude, yes, it's, it's, it's it seems like it's an outlier right now and also is just it just it's just, there's no reason like i just don't i don't get it and it, it i bet you it saves like pennies on it doesn't the save that much money save, because I don't think all saved, of these they're broadcasters already the, they're already on the charter they're on the charter they're staying at the team hotel so maybe like you save some money on like their per diems because that's you know, like an extra i don't know how much money they these maybe like 100 bucks a day let's say I don't know what the per diem number is, but like, let's say you, it's a, it's a small ish amount of money like that. You know, you maybe save like a little bit on the hotels, but you know, the team is booking a block of hotels. I don't think one or two extra rooms is really, you know, making a dent. You're not balancing your budget off of that. And they're staying in these cities for the max of like two nights. Yes. So like, so like it's, it's like one night in one city, one night in another city. Like they're not racking up like, massive like obviously if you travel with an nba team it's like a requirement that you stay in a five-star hotel but like even then like they're still not saving like that much money compared to like what they're spending and also compared to the loss of 
what I think is like things that are crucial to the fan experience. And it's like having those broadcasters, like even though they work for the team and they are, you know, they are biased because they work for the team and they are going to present the team. Like they at least can help break things, break certain walls down between the team itself and the fans. And they are like, a br- they are a bridge between those two worlds. And there are things that will get lost in the fan experience by not having anybody there. And, and, and on top of the fact that, you know, one of the big reasons you started the Rose Garden Report is there's no traveling media either. either. So it's like, it, it it's a really tough place for Blazers fans to be in right now that there's just really nothing when the team leaves the city of Portland other than national outlets. And, and, and obviously they are not as keen to uh, like understand to what Marcus Johnson was saying, like to just see things building up and how like each thing can, and you know, maybe that's a, a conscious choice by the Blazers to not allow that anymore. But it also, I think really, I think it hurts the experience for understanding the game and the team. And, and I think it's just really uh, just a detrimental thing overall. And I hope that, it can change between now and the start of the season. It certainly would run counter to this whole line of messaging that the team and the organization have been putting out basically since Neil Olshay got fired and they you know, had this new you know, message of like, we're an inclusive and progressive organization. We're going to be a lot more transparent about stuff than you know, they were under the old regime. Like To now then say, hey, we're going to also – cut costs and cut corners on letting our TV broadcasters actually travel. And there is not an argument to make that as great of a, as great of broadcasters as Kevin and Lamar are, there is not an argument to make that they can do as good of a job calling games from home off a monitor as they could being there. And for the amount of money that you're going to be saving, we're talking about maybe like one or $2 million over the course of an entire season, which in NBA franchise terms is not that much money. So mm-hmm. it just, this, I don't, I don't know. This, this doesn't, this doesn't, especially since, and it, you know, not, not that like other teams are doing it too would make it better, but you're, it, you're the only team that's doing this to my knowledge. That doesn't reflect well on you. And I don't know. I just, I, I hope for the sake of the fans, it doesn't really make a difference to me because you and I are going to be honestly. We we and we would benefit if they're on the road, and we could start doing a simulcast thing, right? Like that would benefit us. But I think it's I think it's like like we're saying like it's just overall not good for the fans to not have someone there. The Blazers, as an organization, have also just not I think done right by the fans. Over the last year, when you look at a lot of the complaints that people had about once they switched from NBC Sports Northwest to Root Sports, if you don't if you don't have cable, if you don't have Comcast, and you don't have Fubo, which is the one streaming platform that are that's on, if you have Sling or you have YouTube TV or you have Hulu or you have any of these other you know cable alternatives that you used to be able to get Blazer games on, you can't get anymore because of this new TV deal that they started last year. And now if this really holds and they're not going to send their TV crew on the road, 
those people who are fortunate enough to have the smaller handful of providers that are carrying games, you're going to be getting an inferior product. Yeah, it's like oh, there's almost no added benefit to actually paying for Blazers games. Like, like, they, they, like not only have they made their product less accessible, they've made it worse by it reportedly doing this. So, like, it. Yeah, it is a interesting time for the Blazers television product. And uh, yeah, and I think particularly to speak to the streaming thing, it's like it's really millennials and Gen Z people that are getting because those are the people that have streaming versus cable. And I feel like those are the like they're also cutting off younger. It's it just like it just all seems uh, very backwards. But um Hopefully yeah. this public backlash to it will make them reconsider. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hopefully people notice, I mean, it were, it was, you know, even though it's been reported right now, it also, you know, we're in the throes of preseason football and actual football is about to start and then baseball playoffs. And it, it, it just, it does seem like a, uh, you know, maybe a strategic leaking here, hoping that no one will notice before the season starts. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. And the only the only thing I can think of is that this is just trying to cut off some, even if it's a small amount, cut some costs to make yourself look more profitable ahead of a sale that the team has publicly insisted is not imminent and not being discussed despite rumors to the contrary. So it's not, all of this is not adding up. No. And well, and also like the, like, look, I do believe that Jody likes owning the Blazers. I, I believe she enjoys the power that it comes with. I believe she likes being like the final point of approval on these things. I think it's Bert Cold more so than her that feels that way. Yeah, and, and I also just wanted to say, like, like the source that that came from, like, I mean, what are they what are they going to do to, like, not believe that? Because where are their sources coming from? Right. So I, I just think that just like the other stuff that came out, the New York Post article, um, I just think it, we're, we're in, we're in, a, we're all in a big chess game right now. And, and and this was just another move in that game. Um, but yeah, to your point, you, your, your point is phenomenal. I mean, why are they cutting, trying to cut so many costs with you know, why? Like what, what is the impetus all of a sudden now to do this when they could have done this last year? And they could have had COVID as a perfectly believable excuse to do it. Right, exactly. And now, now that, that, that is not there anymore. So I, 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 I like the way I like, I like that, that, that thought pattern that you got there that, that like, I do believe that there is something there where it's connected to the potential sale. And also I say that as someone that just hopes that that's true. Well, we're, we're going to be tracking this going forward in the next few weeks. I, I have a couple of texts and emails and calls out to people who might be able to give a little bit more clarity on where this situation is at right now. And when I get some answers, that will be something to keep an eye out on the Rose Garden Report website, which again, you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.beehive.com, both free and paid subscriptions. So, you know, just I will be covering this story. I'm covering the on the court stuff, but also, you know, I've written about the whole ownership situation and the 
potential sale and some other stuff in that realm. And this is a possibility or, or this is a situation that I'm going to be tracking at all because this stuff affects you as, as fans like this, you know, it's, if it sounds like some of us are getting into like media inside baseball stuff, like this affects you as fans too. If you're a fan of the team and you just like watching, if you, you know, you don't have the money to go to games and you just like watching the team on TV. If you like watching Brooke interview our, the Blazers players, like you won't get that this year. If this happens you're going to be getting an inferior product for the money that you pay for your cable package or your Fubo or however else you stream stuff. Yeah, if you like Lamar Hurd and KC talking about, you know, being on the road, you're you're not going to get that anymore. Like like th- there's just like a whole like thing about the experience of following the Blazers that is going to be missing if this happens. It's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's, it's not a good look, especially since they're, I mean, again, it wouldn't be more defensible if other teams were doing it, but the fact that they're the only team doing it, that just makes it look even worse, but we're going to keep following this story and, you know, we'll keep covering it and you can, you know, follow all that on the Rose Garden Report website, get a subscription, subscribe to the podcast uh, on whatever platform you get podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google. Eric, thanks for doing this with me. We'll be back next week with another episode, and then we probably will take a week break after that because I am moving apartments, so I'm going to have a bunch of stuff to do. But at least one more episode before then. So, Eric, thanks for doing this with me. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. Go subscribe.